Coming up on Over a Barrel. Ohio went up, Kentucky went up, um, Tennessee hit 365. So mm-hmm. um, there, there were a lot of uniform price increases this week, and a lot of them were tied to something that happened in the Great Lakes last week. So we can jump right into it. Good to be with you for another episode of Over Barrel. I'm your co-host Patrick DeHaan here with Matt McLean. Matt, good to be with you again. Hello, Patrick. It's another week and another week filled with all kinds of gas prices, tropical stuff, and you know, just a whole bunch of different uh, news headlines that could directly impact gas prices. Stuff. It's like yeah. a stew of just you know, it, it's kind of like the uh, what is it? You know, when you have leftovers, you just throw everything into the pod and hope it works. And <laughs> geez, I mean. From tropical storms, as you mentioned, to we're also a month away from something else really critical that is going to have an influence on gas prices, Matt. I'm letting people put their guesses in on what they think is going to happen in about a month. But yeah, and gas prices, at least for me uh, locally, I have been how many states have I been in in the past seven days since we last talked? Let's see. One. I'm going to be disappointed if it's not all 50. I'd be surprised four. if you, you know, tell me you drove to Hawaii. Force. I've been in force. I haven't driven to Hawaii. That would be entertaining. <laughs> I've been in four states since last since the last time you and I spoke for a podcast, okay. and I have noticed something. Gas prices seem to be all over the map right now, and I don't fully understand why. And well, and let me let me ask you the very price that you've seen in the last week. Do you remember three cheapest and most expensive? Wow. And what's what state was that in? That give was me in, give me a letter. Oh, that was oh. in Kentucky. Okay. There you uh, go. And the most expensive expensive that I have seen is three ninety nine, and I'll let you figure out which state that was. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a bunch of states, Matt, where um, you know we did see prices go up to three ninety nine in Indiana. We saw them go up to three ninety nine Michigan. Well, you're sitting in the state um, where I where I saw this particular Illinois. Place. Okay. Yes. Well, terrific. So yes. Yeah, so, but and, I'm not uh, in Illinois right now. Where are you? I'm just kidding. I'm in Illinois. Oh. Oh my gosh! Like, but it's it, you- I would love for it to be three ninety nine here in Illinois, um, Southern Illinois. I'm going to guess that it was just across the border in Illinois. Is that right? Uh, it wasn't totally just across the border. It was several counties deep, but yes, it was in Southern Illinois. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming prices in Chicago are slightly more than three ninety nine. They so. are slightly more. Yeah. They they uh, my corner station. I've been keeping up because they've been going up ten cents a gallon almost every day. Uh, we were at four nineteen a week ago. We are now up at four fifty nine. But at Matt, a good prelude into that is that there's some good news for Great Lakes states that have jumped up. And by the way, basically everyone jumped up. Even Florida jumped up, Matt, again this week to 389. We saw a huge amount of price cycles um, happening this week. Michigan hit 399. Indiana hit 399. Chicagoland hit 360 or 359. Um, Ohio went up. Kentucky went up. Um, Tennessee hit 365. So, Um, there, there were a lot of uniform price increases this week, and a lot of them were tied to something that happened in the Great Lakes last week. So we can jump right into it. 
Yeah, uh, I think the biggest and uh, the most expensive price that I have seen. Yeah, three, 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 three ninety nine there in Illinois, and then like even where I'm at in Kentucky right now, in just the city that I am currently at, I have seen a spread of like three twenty four to like three fifty. Uh, so there's like a twenty five cent spread there. So yeah, what's causing all of this? Talk to me. T- talk to talk to the listeners. What's going it's on? It's almost like a Thanksgiving spread when you see so much, so much variety at the pump. It's like, well, which one do I want? Uh, exactly. And hopefully the gas buddy user, you know which what station you're going to. Well, you know, to jump into it, Matt, um, as I mentioned, the Great Lakes, uh, we saw kind of an unexpected bump at the pump, pinch at the pump, whatever, you know, you'd like to call it. Um, A lot of the Great Lakes did go up earlier this week, and that has to do with the refinery, the largest refinery in the Midwest there in Northwest Indiana. It's it's a refinery I like to uh, go check out in person when I can. Uh, The BP refinery in Whiting, Indiana, 440,000 barrels a day, Matt. It produces enough gasoline on a daily basis to fill fill up, I believe the number was 7 million cars. So um, we're talking about a big facility here, and that Whiting refinery uh, bumped up its maintenance. Um, Now, maintenance is generally, you know... Refiners don't go too much into their maintenance plans uh, because of uh, anti-competitive reasons. And I mean, it's kind of like trade secrets they are kind of like nuclear launch codes when they're going to, you know, what's going on at the refineries and and when they're going to do it. And again, because of of uh, anti-competition laws, they they just, you know, they don't say much. Um, But we got wind through uh, some sources in the trade markets that suggested that the refinery is undergoing maintenance now a little bit earlier, why they might do maintenance in August, you say, well, you know, maintenance, like I said, is planned months in advance and months ago, Matt, um, gasoline prices were much lower. Oil prices were much lower. And given what happened last fall, you'll remember last fall, diesel prices spiked to $6. You remember that? I very much remember that. And, yes. and so refineries might be doing maintenance a little earlier this year. There is a, a lull in in um, in the season. August, schools reopen, right? Demand for gasoline is going down in August. And that's maybe one of the reasons why the refinery moved up maintenance, because instead of doing maintenance during a time that's going to be critical for diesel supply in fall, they may have been looking at gas prices in, in May or June and said, well, you know, we have the opportunity to move up maintenance. You know, we're going to either capture, um, uh, we're either going to capture maintenance during the tail end of summer or the beginning of fall. And and maybe they just tried to hedge their bets and they're doing maintenance early because they want to be able to supply diesel at a time of year that last year it spiked. So, right. you know, when a refinery that big goes, uh, undergoes maintenance, it's, you know, and if they change it unexpectedly, it can rattle the market a little bit. And so we saw a bit of that. But as I mentioned, there is some good news now is that the wholesale price of gasoline in the Great Lakes, which was most influenced, prices shot up after it was learned that the Whiting refinery was undergoing maintenance. The good news is some of the blends of gasoline, the Chicagoland blend, which is primarily produced by that refinery, spiked. But now it's back down about 33 cents a gallon from a week ago. So there may be some relief for Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, and Wisconsin, where prices spiked. There may be some improvement now. Well, let's hope for that, because like I said, I've seen prices bounce back and forth. I saw some stations over the weekend that were 345, 350, and today they're 325. And again, that's here in Kentucky, where I currently am. I have no idea why there was such a price increase and, sl- and then an immediate decrease, um, which is a little odd. And I saw well, the same exact thing in Tennessee as well. 
Yeah. So uh, to give some insight into that, it's something we call price cycling. It's it's basically, you know, even Southern Illinois and Tennessee's getting into it now. Is is it's kind of this this pattern of price wars, Matt, that break out. Um, and when stations have the opportunity to lower their prices again, it's it's very quick price war. And that's what you saw is prices may have cycled earlier in the week. That's when everyone's under pressure to raise their price. As I mentioned, the wholesale price of gasoline last week spiked. And now, Matt, I just said, right, the price plummeted in some of these areas. So now stations are very quickly lowering their price because of competition. One station might go down a nickel. The other station might respond by going down another nickel and then the other one goes down another nickel so it can happen really quickly because stations know that people are very price sensitive and they want to have the lowest price so sometimes the price decreases can happen really quickly that's also why matt those prices then may shoot up back to a very uniform amount if stations start selling at or below their cost that's what triggers a cycle and they all go up to the same price and then the price war starts to happen again and that so, happens in a lot of states. So this is why something like a Gas Buddy app is fairly important to find that lowest price, I would think. That actually makes it even more mm -hmm. important to do a little bit of, I mean, it's very simple. You just hit the button and says, you know, gas near me, and then it gives you the lowest price. So yeah. uh, take, for example, one gas. I'm looking at the screen right now off of Gas Buddy in, in my particular area. And one station that was 326 a gallon two days ago is now 345 as of an hour ago. So that's that's just, and, and then perhaps uh, in two more days, that, that station, exact station right. may be back down uh, to and, 325. And to add to your point, Matt, by the way, for those people that don't um, get what we call Gas Buddy alerts, um, we push notifications through the Gas Buddy app. If your area is an area like Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Florida, when our system detects a big price increase in these markets that cycle, we send out push notifications, not, not all the time. Our system has to detect them. But if you also want to be aware of these big price swings, follow the Gas Buddy Alerts Twitter account. That's at Gas Buddy Alerts. If you go on there, like I am right now, we sent out uh, tweets, uh, gas prices going up in Northwest Indiana and in Tennessee and Florida and Louisville and in Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. Um, Check that Twitter account out. Again, it's at GasBuddyAlerts. And that's a quick way that we also send out messages when prices are going to go up in these areas that engage in this very predictable price cycling behavior. So um, that's another way, Matt, because you know, if prices go up, we're talking some of these, some of these jumps in these states. If they're at 325 and they go up to 379, I mean, that's a huge jump. And that's pretty common in some states. Um, and if you're, you know, if you follow uh, Gas Buddy Alerts on Twitter, and if you see one of those messages, you should go fill up as soon as you see it because prices are going to spike to that price later in the day. And sometimes the, the difference is huge. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely be keeping a watchful eye on that. I know that oil prices, for example, as of the time of this recording, are basically what they were at the last time you and I talked in the previous podcast. Yeah. yeah, just a touch lower. Uh, they're they're right around that, right around the ballpark at the same price point. So hopefully, uh, once the refineries get their little, uh, you know, uh, maintenance cycles taken care of, we can uh, get back to a little bit of a sense of normalcy. I realize my 99 cent a gallon <laughs> is probably... 
Only a figment of my imagination. You'll now. be driving down the road for a long time looking for that. <laughs> I am slowly wrapping my mind around Just that. Just block out the first number and pretend the second number is 99. Except my wallet can't do that, unfortunately. But <laughs> yes, no, that's that's very true. So we'll, we'll keep a watchful eye on that. We are also keeping a watchful eye on the tropics and not yeah. necessarily because as soon as you say tropics, immediately in most people's minds, it's like, oh, it's out in the Atlantic or the Gulf of Mexico. Um, not this time. Uh, we seem to be having a little bit of an area of concern where it's yeah. somewhat rare to ever see that area of concern. So talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, Matt, really rare, right? I mean, how many times? Uh, Florida, not so rare. California, pretty rare. Now we have a tropical development that is um, uh, off the eastern Pacific down in Mexico or down off the coast of Mexico, uh, pretty much due west of El Salvador, that is likely to become a hurricane. In fact, a major hurricane, according to the National Hurricane Center. Right now, it's Tropical Storm Hillary. The interesting development, Matt, is that this hurricane um, or soon to be or potential hurricane is going to swing north and potentially head for Southern California. So, you know, we're often accustomed to seeing um, uh, hurricanes go into the Gulf of Mexico and pose a risk to refineries in Texas and Louisiana. I don't think I've ever seen, you know, a potential risk area of uncertainty cone for Southern, Southern California. California. Exactly. Yeah. So and keep in mind, there's refineries in Southern California, in fact, quite a few number of refineries in Southern California. And so, you know, by the time um, it gets to California, Matt, it does look like it might be reduced strength because it looks like it might hit the Baja Peninsula before it hits uh, California. And again, this is, by the way, this is this is almost a week away, right, from hitting California. We're talking about early next week. Yeah. So this is something to keep an eye on, but it highlights that it's not just Texas and Louisiana, right? If your eyes are only on those two states, you might miss what's happening in the Eastern Pacific. But Still really unusual, Matt. I, do, you, do you remember the last time I, you saw? No, uh, not you know? not with uh, that. Actually, the forecast that I'm looking at does show the potential of the actual first land impact being potentially Southern California, which is uh, I do not recall the last time I have seen some hurricanes develop in uh, the Pacific off the coast of Mexico or uh, Central America and cross over into the Gulf and 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 yeah. uh, and do that. I've seen a handful of times where the storm would start in the Pacific, cross a little bit of narrow land there in Central America, and then continue on in the Caribbean. I have never seen um, <laughs> a storm that I can recall uh, where California may actually have a land impact. Something uh, new every day, right? It is. And we are keeping a watchful eye on a couple of possibilities that have just uh, flown off the uh, horn of Africa. For those of you listening in Florida, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about there, because that is something that is talked about uh, widely across the state of Florida, because the horn of Africa is where you watch for the storm development yeah. that could potentially move its way into the Caribbean and eventually the Gulf of Mexico or hit the east coast of Florida. So that's something to keep a watchful eye on. And um, the Gulf of Mexico waters are the hottest on record. In fact, the governor of Louisiana has even issued a state of emergency because it's so hot and humid in Louisiana because of the high temperatures of the water in the Gulf of Mexico. It's creating some very serious issues. So 
there's plenty of fuel uh, for whatever storm that may develop this year. Uh, in fact, there's more than plenty of fuel and an area of genuine concern. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be a meteorologist to understand, you know, <laughs> extremely hot waters uh, provides for a lot of fuel. And this is and, an area of concern. And to add to your point there, Matt, I actually saw a graphic that uh, Gulf of Mexico average water temperatures are actually the hottest on record right now. So, yeah, there's a lot of fuel out there. I don't want to get into the politics of, you know, this and that, because it, naturally that comes up in these types of conversations. But the simple fact of the matter is the Gulf of Mexico water temperatures are extremely high and that poses a risk to the oil and gas sector, not only for the oil rigs that are out in the Gulf of Mexico, but the refining sector on land. And there's plenty of moisture. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll keep it in, 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 like you said, these are only tropical waves, um, right now, you know, 20 to 50% chance of development. But the, the point here isn't that these tropical waves are going to form because we don't know that. But the point here, right, Matt, is that we're getting into the prime of hurricane season and this is going to become mm -hmm. something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's just something we're just we're just presenting what we see as the factual, not uh, leaning into a forecast. But the Hurricane Center, for example, has also indicated they now believe it's going to be an above average uh, hurricane season for the remaining uh, month of August right. as well yeah. as September. And again, it's just factual information. Buckle up. We're just we're just passing along. Yeah, buckle up uh, and hold on. So with that in mind, as far as gas prices go, uh, between uh, what is more of a I won't call it a certainty because when you have that cone forecast, it's going to it's going to fluctuate a touch. But right. in California, there's some some interesting development there. Uh, and then also uh, potentially some stuff out in the Atlantic uh, over the next several weeks. You have your hands full trying to even issue predictions, I would think, when it comes to gas prices. Yeah, this is when you get the magic eight ball out and just, you know, get the dartboard out. I mean, the, the equivalent like mad during normal times. Um, you know, forecasting is, you know, like kind of a dartboard at 20 feet. Um, right now, it's more like the dartboard has moved away, you know, to like 200 feet and you've got to hit the shot from a much longer range. I mean, there's just a lot on the plate right now from hurricane season. Um, a lot of unknowns there. I think the good news, though, that Matt, it, you know, to your point a few minutes ago about oil prices have been a bit restrained. And in fact, yesterday, you know, to, to evolve the conversation, we actually did see the price of oil take a big uh, uh, drop in a single day. It was down over $2 a barrel. And a new part of the story that's emerging is the Chinese economy. And we've talked about this in the past. You know, a lot of it was that the outlook for the Chinese economy was bullish. That was months ago, right? When, when things were reopening, everyone was hoping China's economy would, would reopen in a strong way. Um, but that's really failed to get much traction. In fact, right now, some of the economic data from China is so disappointing that China is going to stop reporting on unemployment numbers for youth because it's just the numbers are so high. And Matt, where that where that really translate translates into the oil market is that Chinese oil demand has been disappointing. And now with more economic disappointment, the Chinese economy is not going to be consuming nearly as much oil. And we've said that when U.S. economy, Chinese, it doesn't matter what economy, when it slows down, people are not out as much. They're not buying as much. They're not consuming as much uh, petroleum in the process. So oil prices took a big dip after it was re revealed that the Chinese um, authorities were going to stop issuing unemployment numbers for youth because that's <laughs> that's a pretty big, you know, uh, eye opener is that 
economic data is so disappointing that you're not going to disclose it anymore. So that's what oil prices suddenly plummeted. So, Matt, in addition to hurricane season, you have the uncertainty over the Chinese economy. You have seasonal factors. And, and keep in mind, Russia, the Saudi Arabia oil production cut, which was extended into September. There's a lot of wild cards here. And by the way, we haven't even talked about the the um, what's happening in a month. So let's let's get into that a little bit. Is yeah, that, let's talk you know, about that. By, by the way, as we stand here, the national average has hit the highest level of 2023 at 386 a gallon, but some good news. And getting into the good news is I, I think that might be our short-term peak, Matt, um, short-term being for the next week or so. Um, and part of the reason, again, is because of some of the price relief we've seen in the areas that cycle. Those states contribute a lot when prices go up and they also then pull the national average back down. So um, I'm going to guess here that in the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to see the national average start to inch down again. Um, but for the next couple of weeks, barring hurricane season, we may see a little bit of downward pressure, but a month from today is a huge date, critical date when it comes to gasoline. And that is that a month from today will be the end of the EPA the summer gasoline requirements. They end on September 15th. We're recording on August 16th. Hopefully we don't have to time date that too much, but a month from today, the nation, most of it, most of the nation will begin the transition back to cheaper winter gasoline. And the biggest change, Matt, which came up today is winter gasoline has more butane. Butane has been very plentiful. It's cheap, but it also emits more air pollution. And in the summer season, when, when ozone is regulated, uh, you can't have as much cheap butane in gasoline. And that's why winter gasoline has more butane. It's cheap. And that should bring prices down a little bit. So that happens one month from today. I and your not, car probably doesn't notice any difference at all. I was just going to say, I had no idea that butane was a part of the gasoline blend of any time of the year. So that's interesting. Isn't that you know, the same stuff that you use in like the portable camping station? Yeah, like there, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it it's it's more it's 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 pretty volatile. And that's why in summer gasoline with warmer ambient temperatures, you can't have as much butane um, because it evaporates. There's emissions involved. And so you're exactly right. That's the cheap, plentiful butane. And it's kind of like a, a cheap filler in gasoline. Right. And in winter, you can have more of that. And in summer, you can't. And it, it so happens it's cheap. So, again, it's kind of like a cheap filler in winter gasoline and your car won't know really anything different now because it, it's more evaporative you probably will get just a slight ding to your fuel efficiency but matt i don't think anyone can drive the same between two tanks of gas so it's basically impossible to measure so you joggled my brain i have been wanting to ask you this for weeks and i keep forgetting to ask you this so this is the perfect moment to ask you this question i have been experimenting when it comes to filling up oh boy. my oh boy. my tank on the suv again i i cuz i i've been doing I, you know you know me i do that sometimes um and so this time around i have been experimenting with uh, only putting as much gas as the gas pump uh, wants to put in there. In other words, when it kicks off saying, oh, the tank is full and the and and the nozzle automatically engages and turns off the, the flow of gas. And then there have been some other tanks where I have gone ahead and topped it off just a little bit more. And I am noticing something. I am getting better gas mileage when I just allow the pump to do its thing and then pull the nozzle out and don't add <laughs> any additional gas than when I do. 
Is there a reason behind this? Is that normal? Is I mean, what's the stuff behind that? Because I would think you could go further on more gasoline, but I'm finding realistically that is not necessarily the case. I think there's a lot of environmental factors that may not be quite the same that are probably leading to that fluctuation. Maybe you're driving more highway miles a little bit. It's so difficult to make these comparisons unless you're in like a laboratory setting where you can actually, because Matt, even the temperatures um, will change your fuel mileage. But as I was saying, virtually no American is driving the same areas on, you know, different tanks of gasoline. Now, I know people have commutes and stuff, but... If you go 65 one day, there might be more traffic the next. You go 62, there might be more stop and go. So that's the difficult thing. There, there's really, there's no difference, Matt, in, you know, the, the physics of it. The, the gasoline, there's, there's no difference in when the pump shuts off that you'd get more mileage or less. Or when you try to I cram could, more gas into the tank. Right, right. <laughs> now, I, I mean, it was like an oxygen, like an air there's, thing, like it. You know, there are some myths that people have spread and I don't want to mention them that do play into that because some people think the pump is more um, calibrated when you're flowing more gasoline through it. And people have this myth that it's somehow the pumps are off when you're pumping more slowly, which isn't true because departments of weights and measures come through to calibrate the pumps every couple of years. And if you got a, a pump that was out of calibration, Matt, it, it, you know, theoretically, that's within the realm of possibility. But you've seen when you go to a station, right, those pumps generally have the date that that pump was sealed mm-hmm. when it was inspected. So that's another thing to look at before you start pumping gasoline, Matt, is um, every every pump should have a state seal from it a does. Department of Agriculture or a Department of Weights and Measures on when they last calibrated it. But that's basically them telling you that this pump is dispensing within 1% of what it should. It's actually probably lower than that. It's probably like 0.5%. That's basically measuring that you're getting the volume of gasoline you're supposed to. So what that would tell me if that pump was sealed recently is what you're experiencing with the difference in mileage is probably an environmental factor. Instead of me cramming more gas into the tank itself. So it's okay to cram more gas into the tank? I'm just questioning because I... Well, I mean, I've always wondered that question. You can, you can, you can fill it now. Most of the time, your 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 vehicle, when they say it has a fifteen gallon tank, they don't measure the filler pipes, the the filling neck, right? Because when you put the gas tank in, there's a neck that goes down to the tank, which mm-hmm. often sits behind, uh, or I should say, under your passenger seat. It's it's in the back two thirds of the car. Um, it often does not measure the filling tube. So technically, Matt, if your gas tank is 15 gallons, you could probably put like 15 and a half or 16 gallons in it. I've got no of, comment on that part. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Seinfeld episode, right? Where they just keep going. I mean, and 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 Matt, it, it, it it's pretty rare that that, that happens. Um, there was once that I, I filled up my Honda Civic. The tank was rated at like 14 gallons and I put 15 and a half into it. Needless to say, I did call the local department of weights and measures because I was a little worried that the pump, which hadn't been calibrated in almost two years may have been off. And the department of weights and measures got back with me and they said it's within specification. So Matt, I literally was driving on fumes. Um, yeah, I've been there. And by, and by the way, a lot of states have hotlines. Um, I used to live in Michigan. So Michigan's Department of Agriculture, I think it's 1-800-MDA-FUEL. Um, if you have any complaints, um, you know, 
like I said, 99.9% of pumps are, are typically correct. And station owners will calibrate them themselves because it goes both ways, Matt. They don't want to sell you. They don't want to give you free gasoline. Right. And the pump's not always skewed that other way. Um, So states, uh, stations will often will have a third party come through and make sure their pumps are dispensing correct amounts um, because it can go both ways. But most states will have hotlines that you can get a hold of, um, you know, and they'll send they'll send an inspector out. Well, that's certainly good to know. And yeah, I just, this is, I just wanted to, I've been wanting <laughs> to ask you these questions for weeks. And I'm like, every time we get done recording and, and you and I uh, move on throughout our day, I'm like, doggone it. I forgot to ask him again. Well, so here it is there. I finally got to ask you. And I thought that would be a, a good question because I was curious on those aspects as well. Cause we've that's, talked that's- about, yeah, we, we've talked about premium, you know, vehicles that require premium versus, you know, non and other stuff. But this was one of the ones that yeah. basically impacts just about everybody because, you know, the pump, if you just leave it alone and let it fill itself, it'll automatically kick. Well, in theory, <laughs> it should always kick off when it hits a certain level. Um, I did have one one time that did not do that and gas went spewing everywhere. And that was well, in that case, it's it's likely a one or two problems. Either the pump can yeah. be malfunctioning and it's not. Uh, it's not regulated, or that could be a vehicle problem with what's called a charcoal canister. It recirculates some of the gases. So hmm. it can be a problem either with the pump or the car. Um, but by the way, great segue into saying, if you have any questions, throw them yes. out to us at podcast at com or mention us on social at over a barrel. Yep. Uh, over a barrel show as well as gas Thank you. Buddy guy. Thank you for correcting oh, me. <laughs> I don't correct anybody. I just I just add to. How about that? There, uh, whatever yeah. way you want to talk. <laughs> also, also at Gas Buddy Guy, as well as over a barrel mat. Uh, we, you can you can reach out. We would love to have those questions. Speaking of, I'm going to make sure there's no other questions that we had left over from last week. But uh, absolutely. No, there's uh, there's always you know, that's always a good one, Matt, to, to ask, because there's a lot of these myths. Um, and a lot of people, uh, another myth while we're at it is that stations water down their gasoline. And I can't tell you that that couldn't be further from the truth because again, um, stations, uh, that's an expensive problem to have, Matt. What, what can happen and what people have heard of is because these, these gasoline tanks that stations have are buried underground. If you don't maintain that tank, some stations have had water get into their tank because of leaks, but a lot of, a lot of stations, Matt, um, this is what a lot of people probably don't know. A lot of those underground storage tanks have sensors that can now sense the amount of water in the tank because alarm bells will start going off if those numbers are too high. Because again, stations want to make sure that they are dispensing what they think they are dispensing because it's a problem for station owners too. If water gets in there, it's compromising the integrity of gasoline. And again, no station wants to sell you willingly tainted fuel. That's a big problem. No station wants to invite, you know, the, 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 um, department of agriculture to have that mess. You know, you get into a legal mess. That's like saying, Matt, I want to get sued. No, I don't. Nobody, nobody does. So gas stations, uh, again, that can happen because tanks are stored underground. And because especially those old tanks, Matt, um, they may have been steel. A lot of the tanks now underground are, are fiberglass or composite, so there's a lot of, of, of different tanks out there. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like your, your septic tank at your house, right? You don't want that to go bad, but occasionally things can happen. 
This is very, very true. And uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's also very good to know. And then the other question that I have seen asked or people I've just in passing conversations, um, you know, are you really getting like a 92 or 93 octane or are they diluting it down with a cheaper grade of gas uh, to stretch their their premium a little bit? I've, I've been asked that question uh, more than once mm-hmm. or or just people in passing conversation like, yeah, there's no way you're actually getting 92 or 93 well, octane. They just, you know, they they mix in. That's the another great gas. question. You are full of terrific questions today, Matt. And, and again, that's something that the inspectors that come out to calibrate the pump would also test the quality of that gasoline to make sure that it is the sticker rating. And so again, stations don't want to get into trouble. The thing is, is it would require deliberate manipulation. And most of the time, you know, that's that's a skew. Most of the time, Matt, to get mid-grade, stations are mixing premium with regular. That's how mm-hmm. you basically get the blend of octane. But you're, you know, I'm going to vouch for 99.9% of stations that if, if the octane sixer says 93, you're basically pulling straight from their premium gasoline uh, storage tank. Right. And could they sell you 92? Well, I guess theoretically, Matt, but that's like, you know, it, it, it's just such a such a small difference. They're not making a ton of money, right? It's not like they're printing cash if they give you an octane point less. But, you know, they're, they're just like in life. There are some bad people, but that tends to catch up with them. And Matt, these these, you know, especially the bigger companies, the brand name stations, that's like the 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 most ridiculous way to make a penny or two is is to do that. So again, a lot of these are myths from decades ago that get shared, they get reshared and people suddenly accept them as truth when they've been a myth the whole time. Yeah, it's certainly something to to just kind of keep in mind um and then the take other- it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. And the other question that I have for you is we we have this, um, you know, uh, world of of gas brands out there. And then we also have store brands, um, you know, or convenience store uh, brands where they they have enough uh, locations where they basically brand their own version of gasoline. Is there any difference in quality between one brand to the Mm -hmm. next to the next? Well, uh, again, great question. you know, there's there's not much difference, Matt, because, well, first and foremost, you have federal requirements for the amount of uh, additives in gasoline, right? Some stations say they put more additives in or their additive package is different. That's the only difference is that the, the additives can be different from station to station. Your car is probably not going to notice much difference. A lot of those additives are really good marketing efforts by stations to differentiate themselves. You know, a lot of different stations have different names for their premium product because they like to make sure that you, th- you know, they like to make you think that you're getting something that's just the bee's knees. Right. Um, Crystal but it doesn't, clear. Amico exactly. as just one example. Yeah. The, the, and there's a lot of different marketing words out there, but you're always suggested to follow what your manufacturer requires. And for me, um, on some of my vehicles, all you need to look at is the octane rating. That's how I buy the fuel. Right. Is if I need octane, this is, you know, this is the octane I need. Um, if you don't need that premium product, you're you're basically just spending money you shouldn't. So, you know, is there any difference between brands? Not really. Um, the additives are different. The uh, you know, the timing, they might, you know, a branded station might be selling more gasoline, Matt. So if this so-called freshness matters to you, 
Um, generally, those branded stations are higher volume or can be higher volume, but there's not much difference, Matt. That's why I don't shop based on who it is. I shop based on price because at the end of the day, federal requirements dictate the minimum amount of additives and, you know, minimum shouldn't scare you. Um, it's a baseline level of additives that all gasoline must have, but there are some differences when it comes to most of the time, premium gasoline can have different additives. There may be more wear inhibitors, uh, friction modifiers, not to get into too many things, Matt, but your engine might be a little happier with some of these additives that, that some stations put in. But again, there is a minimum amount of additives in every gallon you buy, and they're basically to reduce wear and tear in your engine. But so th that does bring me to one question that Sam, uh, a, a gentleman named Sam, messaged me on social, which is actually a very, very good question. And it is, uh, do the local stations add those additives or do, does the gas arrive that way? Well, oftentimes they would add it um, at the local uh, at the local level where the terminal is. Um, it, it depends on who they're pulling from. There's a lot of details there, Matt, but it may be a different additive package that they get themselves. So uh, like the I said, terminal for the layman's terms, the local terminal being like where the massive tanks are, where the tankers uh, pull right, up to, and, where and you load. see those massive not, white. Yeah, not the yeah. local local station that they're pulling in to get gas. Those folks do not add the additives right there on. Correct. Side. It would it would come in the difference. It would come in the semi truck. It would already be in the semi truck that you see come from the local. We'll call it a depot. The actual word for it is the rack. It's called a rack because tr trucks literally pull in and pull from this rack. They pull the product. There's different products that they can pull um, and fill their tanker trucks with. So that's where the additives packets generally, generally would be added to that gasoline. Gotcha. Okay. So that's good to know. So it's not up to the store clerk to run outside and, you know, pull open a thing and dump a thing of whatever into it. It's, it's actually done, uh, there, you know, at the, in many when the cases, product's of, pulled. Yeah, yeah, when the product is pulled. So that's also good to know. Um, and so that that's interesting, uh, all the way around. Yeah. Well. It's not like the clerk just dumps in a bottle of something that they got from, you know, off the store shelf, you know? Store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you've seen the, the, the fuel mixes that you can get off the store shelf. It's not like the clerk is just going Going to their local auto hardware store and then just dumping it in now. Yeah. And that's that's also a valid question, I think, that a lot of consumers would be curious about, because you're absolutely right. Depending upon the brand, there are so many different brand names out there and all of the market that they're adding uh, one of them. And I'm trying to remember which one, you know, advertises like an STP additive. I think it's Marathon. There's that's Marathon stations. with STP. Yeah, yep. they, they market that they add. So there's some STP. cross branding there, too. So, yeah. you know, there's promotional partnerships. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, all of this gasoline is the same, Matt. I'm, I'm not one that looks for additives when I fill my car up. Um, and again, Matt, just, just, you know, ask yourself, has anyone ever had a car die because of fuel quality? Maybe it's happened, but generally my car is dying because of a radiator, a transmission or, you know, age. I can't say the last time I've ever had to get rid of a car because of a fuel induced issue. Not unless it was a consumer error. I have, uh, I actually know a couple of different folks that uh, accidentally pumped the wrong kind of fuel into that. They put uh, regular unleaded instead of diesel and vice versa, uh, and then started it up and went down the road and it didn't last very long. I have seen those situations, but that's a consumer related error, not per se, um, you know, the normal, the norm. Right. <laughs>
So yes, I have seen that, and and you would still think that that even stuff like that would not happen because like a diesel pump and a, a unleaded gasoline pump are actually designed differently, if I'm not mistaken. So, the handle will not yeah. a diesel handle will not fill in a fit you, in a gasoline vehicle. It's it's too large. You would think you would think, but I I have actually seen uh or or maybe it was unleaded into a diesel vehicle if i'm not well here's the thing no you have heard of 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 people that were filling up with gasoline fill up with diesel mat and that doesn't have to do with the nozzle because if you're you know you cannot stick a diesel nozzle and a gasoline vehicle as i mentioned it's big what can happen to cause diesel instead of gasoline is if the underground storage tanks are filled up incorrectly oh yeah that too that too and that's that's a big problem because diesel and gasoline don't mix in that, you know, they're they're right. completely different. If you accidentally have diesel in your gasoline tank, you're going to have to get that pumped out. Yep. And then that can create some issues. But yes, oh, yeah. no, as, a, yeah. as a standard rule. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can see exactly what you're saying. That's really never been an issue. And so it doesn't really matter if it's a store brand, like a convenience store brand or a grocery store brand or anything like that. Or, you know, your 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 major ones like, you know, the Shells, the Marathons, the BPs of the world and, and whatnot, uh, you know, uh, Chevron and all of those. Um, they're just there are so many options out there and loyalty rewards and all kinds of stuff, you know, even gas. Buddy has has uh, kind of consorted, uh, not consorted, but kind of really consolidated a lot of the different rewards, uh, you know, to where even Gas Buddy is offering a lot of uh, perks yeah. and, and things with its app. Yeah, we have uh, what we call Loyalty Connect, Matt, and, and you can add your fuel rewards card right into the Gas Buddy app. Um, another one. Uh, another one I was thinking of is I also have the the uh, Pilot Flying J loyalty program in my Gas Buddy app, and so now my Gas Buddy app actually shows me my my rewards discount at both Shell with Fuel Rewards and Pilot Flying J. So those it's kind of an interesting way that you know Gas Buddy delivers a little bit more value by saving and integrating with those um, Fuel Rewards. Uh, with those loyalty programs, but uh, again, you know, even if you don't have those two loyalty programs, loyalty is huge. And it's easy savings, Matt. So if you're not a part of a loyalty program, sign up today because you can oftentimes save five to 10 cents a gallon just by signing up. And I'm not just, you know, I have a couple loyalty programs. I do have my own preferences for stations. I'm not going to tell you which, but a lot of stations have those discounts. So, um, you know, if, if you haven't signed up for a free loyalty program, um, and hopefully in the weeks ahead, Matt, I think I have some good news is that I'm hoping that barring the hurricane season as we talked about, Gas prices should uh, should start maybe rounding a corner, and I'm hopeful that maybe not in the next few weeks, but especially this fall, there's good news, Matt. I do think prices should ease going into the fall. So with that, um, let's wrap it up. Another great episode. Matt, it was great to join you. And again, for anyone that wants to reach out to us, podcast at gasbuddy.com is our email address. You can reach us at Over a Barrel Show on Twitter. Matt's on Twitter as well, Over a Barrel Matt. I'm Gas Buddy Guy on Twitter. Uh, For now, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.